another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. Uh, today I have a very special guest, uh, s- someone from a scene we haven't had on the show before. So I'd like to welcome uh, Anthony Allen from the band Inoculation. Uh, Anthony, thanks for coming on the show. How you doing, buddy? Good. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so I'm going to start you with the following question. And that question is, what does Zaliga mean? <laughs> Zaliga? Zaliga, yeah. What, what does that mean? Uh, I, I think it's like, uh, I didn't come up with that song name. Uh, I know the song is about like a, a giant, like uh, like world-eating beast kind of thing. Kind of like a... Uh, like a Thanos type creature okay. from like the Marvel universe, yeah. Uh, and that's the the creature's name is Zalaga. Okay. Uh, and I think Nick, uh, who writes a lot of the lyrics, got it from like some like ancient name from like uh, some old uh, civilization where something was called a Zalaga, and I think it was like a god or something like that. Uh, so, so that's some, from some that, old thing. That's from the Inoculation album, Pure Cosmic Dread, I think. Uh, yes, and it's correct. it's for sure metal. Is it is it thrash? Is it death? You, what do you guys call it? Uh, I I think it's pretty much just straight up death metal. Uh, if you want to get like nerdy with it, you could call it like old school technical death metal. Uh, just very heavily influenced on all the like death metal gods you could say like death cannibal corpse core guts all that old stuff uh but then we're also all like younger dudes who uh grew up listening to like new death metal too so uh kind of a little bit of old and new mixed in there okay okay so i we've had studio guys on the show we've had um guys out in la who've come up in in the scene from from the 80s on the show so this is the first time i've had a metal guy on so i'm pretty excited about that uh so when when we met you were doing a show at ormsby um and we bonded a little bit because i have a band that has songs about aliens and a lot of your songs are about aliens so we talked about that quite a bit um, but the most impressive thing I think I can say about what you do is playing the riffs as fast and as tight as you do, and then singing over the top of that is absolutely mind blowing. So how how do you how does one practice that? How do you develop that? Uh, first of all, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, that was honestly probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to like accomplish as a musician. Um, and it kind of happened just out of like needing it to happen. We were recording Pure Cosmic Dread. And throughout the studio process of it, we had some member changes, including the vocalist. And at this point in Inoculations history, we had been a band for seven years and we've literally went through at that point like 15 different people in the band uh and i was like i i'm like done dealing with other people <laughs> like i'm like i can scream and then nick was also like yeah i can scream and we we're like let's just be a three piece and do the vocals so the whole studio process for that album got halted because me and nick had to learn how to do vocals and play at the same time because we had only done it very small times like just backing vocals uh and it was really hard it was just 
the only thing you can do is just do it over and over and over again with the lyrics. Like I, I would write the lyrics like really big so I could see it and just like play the songs over and over again, talking them first and then slowly getting the vocal patterns and just listening to the music and just repetitiveness. So when you were when you were starting with that band, when we were starting with Inoculation and and you guys are, you know, I have to say you guys are, are really good. Um, not, of course, not everybody's a death metal guy, but uh, for, for for what you guys do, it's really, really good and super tight. And and as you grew as a band, was there an idea that you could do more that you could get signed or be You know, how are you measuring success for Inoculation? Uh, I mean, it's all ever since I started it in high school, uh, I was always wanted to like, just be as successful as possible. Really. I've just always loved music. That's all I've ever wanted to do. So it was like, I want to take this absolutely as far as I could possibly take it. Um, but there was definitely a point when we broke down to that three piece where we got to where me, Nick and Charlie, for the first time in the band's history, everyone was all on board and all gung-ho and we were all like we will quit our jobs if we get the correct tour offer or whatever um, we were all ready to go so uh once that happened it was really a turning point and we really started to like buckle down and take things seriously um and we released pure cosmic dread initially on our by ourselves uh we sent it to some labels didn't hear anything back um but we were undeterred by that and we just were like, all right, we'll just release it ourselves. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. And like, as far as measuring success, we kind of like took a little hit from that, but we also like, we're just like, whatever, we don't care. Uh, and then Maggot Stomp uh, found that album and really liked us uh, and hit us up. Uh, and once that happened, that was uh, pretty good and a good measure of success, but we want to go as far as we can. Okay. And you're in Cleveland or the Cleveland area. And <clears throat> do you feel like being in Cleveland is a hindrance for you in terms of what you want to do ultimately? Do you feel like the scene can support you and you can still live and work there and, and be successful? Uh, yeah, I do think so. Uh, there's definitely a good scene in Cleveland, uh, especially uh, once you like I've been doing it as long as we have when we, especially in the early days, we would play three nights a week, two nights a week in Cleveland, like wherever. Um, so there's definitely uh, a lot to build on. And I, I think I think Ohio in general, as far as death metal, has kind of been churning out a lot of good underground death metal. Uh, and I kind of feel it's on, like it's honestly been a hot, like a hot spot for underground death metal right now. So I definitely think it... Uh, it isn't a hindrance. I mean, obviously, probably like being in like L.A. or New York would probably be a little bit better. But uh, <laughs> I love Cleveland uh, and I love like repping Cleveland and being from the area. OK, OK, that, that's cool. Um, when when you finished the record, what was your intent? Was your intent to try to get on a big tour? So if say Niall called you and said, Hey, we heard about you guys. We want to take you on three months. Would you, would you have dropped everything to, to do something like that? 100%. We all like had a conversation pretty much like that. Like 
if something happens, I'm like, are you willing to quit your job? Nick's like, yeah. I'm like, are you Charlie? Charlie says, yeah. And I'm like, well, I am, so let's do it. And that was around the same time when we bought a van, uh, which we just got. We, could, we couldn't, <clears throat> couldn't afford a really nice van, and we didn't want to just spend $3,000 and get it like a junker or something. So we went and got a lease to get a nicer van so it would like, work for us. And I think that shows like our, we're like stuck making van payments uh, altogether uh, to like try and do this right. as, as easily as possible. Because right. we did a couple tours uh, before we got the van, a couple like weekends where we drove two separate cars and we drove all the way to Virginia, went two separate cars and did a bunch of weekend things with two cars and we were like, we got to stop this. Yeah, that's that's hard to be like to feel like a band like together on the road when you're when you're doing stuff like that. Yeah, when you're not actually together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, cool. So let's switch gears here a little bit and talk about. When you first picked up a guitar, did you feel like I'm for sure going to be a metal player or did you come up through punk or, you know, how, how did you decide what you wanted to do on the guitar? Uh, it initially started my first couple of years. I was like all about the blues and that's like what I liked playing. I liked playing. Wow. The, yeah. The, <laughs> the bendy scales and getting all like emotional playing and stuff. Um, and I really wasn't into, especially death metal at the start. Um, it started with like the classic rock bands, um, ACDC, all that stuff. Cause I started playing when I was 12. So all that stuff was real. Like you see Angus Young running around and I'm like, Whoa, that's, that's cool. Like Ace Freedom's <laughs> guitar's on fire. Like say, uh, so, and it was kind of just like a gradual progression of, uh, the music going with my guitar playing where I'm just in general a very competitive person and i like being good at things uh or at least try to be good at things so when i was like learning how to play guitar i wanted to play fast and i wanted i like started to get that where i'm like okay i want to be better like i want to play these crazy things um and that kind of coincided with like hearing metallica and then slayer i'm like man that's sick that's like sounds hard to play and then you hear death metal that's like really hard to play i'm like ah, i gotta do that <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think that the metal scene in general in terms of guitar players is more competitive than than other scenes like punk tends to not be competitive at all it's really you know if if you can barely play your guitar you can still be in a punk band and everybody's cool yeah. with it but metal seems to be not like that metal seems to be like who can who can shred and if you can't shred then you know you it's a problem yeah yeah it, no and you're definitely right uh i i think that's it, it's definitely a thing uh in metal um and i would say like too there's a lot of like i know personally i have a lot of like jazz influence too i played in my middle school and high school jazz band for eight seven years or whatever um so it was it was a lot of different stuff like that um that i was always trying to get other stuff and i think that's a lot of metal players and right i think just kind of metal heads in general can be a little like oh like fuck you like i can do this better like, yeah. but i will say uh i the first like four to five years of me playing shows i was in a punk band um so that was my playing punk was my entrance into playing live music mm -hmm. and like being in an actual band that's like doing things 
Um, so I definitely like have respect for everything. Cause I played my first show when I was 13 uh, with a punk band called the placebo effect three. <laughs> the placebo effect three. Yes. Three. Okay. <laughs> and w- what happened to that band? Uh, just d- dissolved and we were in all in like middle school. So it just <laughs> never happened. We played uh, quite a bit of shows though. It was a fun time and I cherish the memories. Right on, right on. Uh, so who are some of the bigger, bigger bands that you've opened for or, or played with up to this point in, in your career? Uh, well, we used to play, um, at Peabody's all the time in Cleveland. I don't know if you've ever been yeah, to I've heard of it. Never played there, but I've yeah. heard of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, kind kind of an infamous, famous spot um, that's now torn down. But we used to get on like every uh, like touring death metal show that was going around. We would be on it and playing, and it was like it was like a sell tickets to play. Right. You sell you sell more than the other band you play later or whatever. But we were all in high school and just like super eager, so we played. Dying Fetus, Nile, um, like Revocation, uh, just a, a bunch of them. Vader, uh, a, a bunch of bands. Uh, probably Dying Fetus would be like the coolest one. Uh, we actually played the last ever show at Peabody's. It got uh, torn down the next day. And the next day. The third. next day. There was yeah. a show and then yeah. it got torn down the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was, we opened up for, uh, exhumed rivers and Nile and dying fetus. And we played that side stage. So we played after exhumed and before dying fetus. So it was just like, that's a great slot. Yeah. Oh, and it was pandemonium. Cause everyone was like, it's going to get torn down. So people were throwing chairs through the walls and like <laughs> swinging on the ceiling fans. It was, it was a night to remember for sure. That's cool. What, what year was that? That would have been um, 2013-ish. Okay. Somewhere around then, probably. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, So let's talk about guitars for a bit, because you have a guitar company called Xeno Guitars, which which I want to talk about. But before we get to that, I want to ask why metal guitars are so pointy. Why, why, Why is that? Uh, easier to kill someone. <laughs> I always, uh, with my at least metal guitars, I always say if the headstock doesn't look like it can kill somebody, I don't want it. <laughs> so before you started Zeno, what what kind of guitars were you playing, and and why were you playing those guitars? Uh, my main inoculation guitars um, were Jackson Warriors, um, pointy awesome shark tooth inlays reverse headstock everything i wanted um so i was playing jackson's really uh i had two warriors that i would rotate um so that was my main uh, guitars i would play uh, i have a, a fairly large guitar collection though so i would play a lot of different stuff but the jacksons were my main and what was the impetus for you to decide, fuck it, I'm just going to start making my own guitars and I'm going to name it Zeno because that sounds alien. Yeah, that was essentially the, the reason for the naming. <laughs> the Xenomorphs and uh, it just, I'm like, it's a w- nice, simple one word. Right. We're going to put on a headstock. Right. Um, 
but as far as the guitar stuff goes, that goes, it honestly kind of goes back all the way when I got my first guitar and I was curious about like, how's it work? And like, I was taking it apart and I have a guitar that I probably did in like, when I was like 13 years old that I took all the pickups out and like re-put stuff in and painted it. Um, so it's always been kind of something I've been interested in. And then uh, I had, a, I was bullshit with a friend one time and he was like, you think you can make your guitar? And I was like, uh, my dad has a lot of like tools and stuff. I was like, yeah, I could probably do it. And he was like, if I paid for everything, would you do it? And I was like, sure, why not? I'll give it a shot. Um, and I tried it out uh, and I liked it. Uh, and I wasn't terrible at it at that point. I was n not what I am today with it. That was a while ago, but uh, it was a great starting off point. Um, and I started off just doing bodies uh, and buying necks because making the necks requires some different specialty tools right. that I didn't have. A lot, lot harder, yeah. Yeah, so I was doing that. And I, and I also didn't, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Like, I don't want to spend a bunch of money and then in three months not be doing it. Um, so I kind of worked my way up. Um, but yeah, it was just my, my buddy taking a chance on me, honestly. I mean, he spent like 800 bucks on parts and let me do it up for him. And it, it, it could have turned out terrible, but uh, it didn't. It was a explorer shape with a pink and white polka dots. Okay. So, okay. A pretty flashy guitar. And, and how did you learn the, what you had to do? Because, okay, you got to cut it and then you got to sand it and do all the stuff. You have to put all the electronics in. You have to make sure the neck sits right in the pocket. You have to measure that distance between the bridge and the nut and all. So how did you learn all of that? Um, a lot, a lot of YouTube videos, lots of YouTube videos, uh, reading different things. Um, and I, when I was in high school, uh, I went to like a, a, a class, week-long class thing about like uh, setting up guitars and refretting guitars. Um, so I had some knowledge with that. Uh, and then like trial and error, like crazy, like so much trial and error. <laughs> uh, uh, my, after I built that guitar for my friend, I pretty much spent the next year like building myself guitars uh, and fucking up a lot of stuff and being like, oh, like, don't do that again. That's not how that works. <laughs> um, so, yeah, lots of trial and error, honestly, is the big thing and just messing up. I think that's a good way to learn things. <laughs> and now watching Xeno guitars on Facebook and on the Internet, um, you, not too long ago you put out a call for if anybody wanted a guitar built, then they should contact you. And then basically you said you were full through the, through this entire year in terms of building. So yes. that sounds like success to me. Again, you know, when you think about success and what you're trying to do with your band and also trying to build a guitar making business, how are you measuring all of this now? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, so I uh, had another friend uh approached me and this was i had built two fully custom guitars at this point um where i did the neck and everything and my one friend saw it loved it and he was like okay build me one um and he's in a fairly popular band saying with sugabog um so and they're like real hot right now and when he posted the guitar 
that I built for him, I within a week, I went from having zero orders uh, to having like seven orders, uh, which as me just working out of my garage, like I didn't even really have a paint. I didn't have a paint booth at that time. I didn't, I was just like, had it just hanging up on the, my like ceiling in my garage. Uh, <laughs> so going from zero orders to seven orders, I was like, Oh shit. Like this is kind of serious now. So that was a really right. Then I was like, Oh, like I might be able to like, do something with this it seems like people like this um and it helps with inoculation and getting that they're both like essentially coexist together right. a lot of people who like death metal like guitars uh so you I post about it on the inoculation page and get some uh activity from that and ever since then every time i finish up a build uh i get more orders uh and right now I'm at uh, like 18 orders, and I'm booked out until next year. And I got uh, an employee now. Um, wow! So I got a buddy. Yeah, so I got a buddy who's actually he worked at Guitar Center for years doing setups and repairs and stuff. So what I'm doing now is I'm handling all the construction and paint. And then once I'm done, I essentially give the guitar to him, and he will assemble it and get it set up and playing good. Okay. So that. So that way I can get to the next build quicker and work on that type of stuff. Um, so that was another thing when, when that worked out, I was like, oh, this is another kind of like milestone where I'm like, okay, I might, I might be able to keep running with this. Yeah, that's like a serious, significant thing when you start, you know, paying other people to, to do stuff. Uh, how long does it take from beginning to end? So if someone gives you a piece of paper with a crazy pointy shape on it and they say, build me this guitar, how long does it take for you to turn that into a finished product? Well, with my work schedule, um, I tell people three to four months. Okay. Um, each build takes probably about 50 ish hours depending on what's going on maybe maybe a little bit more um but with my like i said with my work schedule it's about three to four months for a build so what what is your day job uh, i'm a plumber you're a plumber so yes. i mean so skill skill trade not not a not a simple thing to do so that means you're busy and you're making steady money and yeah so if again if nile or or uh, death somehow Chuck came back to life and wanted to take you on tour. Um, you could quit your job and then, you know, once every, once the tour was over, say you went out for three months or six months, could you go back and find another plumber job pretty easily? Well, and the, the lucky thing that I have is, um, my boss is super cool. Uh, and he would let me, I could leave for two months and come back and work cool. at my company still. And my, uh, the like foreman of the company, he plays bass in Nunslaughter, uh, which they've been around forever. <laughs> oh my um, God, I haven't heard that name in 50 years. That's so Yeah, fun. who actually originally based in Pittsburgh. That is um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he does that type of stuff too. So he's the one that makes the calls if like vacation gets approved and stuff. And he's my good friend, so it's, like, kind of a, a pretty good setup as far as, like, needing to leave for a tour. Okay. So what is your plan now for 
post-plague times. What what are your objectives, both with your band and with with Zeno Guitars? Uh, tour for sure. Um, before uh, before COVID, uh, we had like a thirty-five day tour plan for the across the whole country. That was supposed to start March fifteenth, uh, I think, of twenty twenty which was right when everything right. started to happen. Right. Uh, and we didn't get anything canceled until like literally like three days before. And we didn't know what was going on. So we were like, fuck it, we're still going. Like, whatever. Like, you know, and we, no one really knew what was the deal was. <laughs> um, and then within like an hour, we had like 10 shows get canceled and then everything else fell through. Um, so that's definitely a big objective because that was going to be our biggest tour we've ever done so we're definitely trying to pick up right where we left off um and xeno guitars i'm trying to take it same with inoculation just trying to take it as far as i can take it um if i always say if i could build guitars for a living i would be uh blissfully happy it would be amazing and uh the kind of shitty thing about it is i actually do like the plumbing and it's a good job. I get paid well for it, uh, and I enjoy it. So it's like sometimes I'm like, I wish I had a shittier job so I could just say <laughs> fuck it and quit and just do the guitar thing. Right. But, it's so, sort of like burn burn your ships like a Viking, so you can't go back to whatever whatever the comfort yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a uh, it kind of sucks, but it's it's all right. I'm planning to take it as far as I can. And, I would really love to quit my job one day and uh, uh, do the guitars. I know that's the opposite name of the podcast, but uh, <laughs> that but would hey, be eventually the goal. If you, if you can quit your job, we're fully supportive of anyone who, who believes they have a plan in place and that allow them to quit their day job. It's just, it's tough, right? Of course it, it's, oh, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Um, all right. It's so tough. before we end here, I have two more questions. One is, okay. I'm interested in V style guitars. I've never played a V before, but I'm interested that, you know, I've, you know, I've played around with a flying, a Gibson and stuff, but they're just too big. Yeah. I, I've had an Explorer in the past. Also just very, the bodies are so big. And so yeah. if, if I came to you and I said, Hey, I want a Zeno guitar, but I, I want a V style, but it, I just don't want it, the body to be so big. What, what would you do for me? Um, have you ever played a, a Rhodes V? Uh, I've never played a Rhodes V, no. No, I've never played a Rhodes V. That might be kind of something more up your alley, uh, where the one end is a lot shorter. And that guitar in general, uh, the wings are way not as long as like a a Gibson V. Um, So I would think that something like that kind of might be good for a situation like that. Um, And I've even, you can even like make that V kind of smaller. But yeah, it would be you'd have to like play around with it to make it right so it doesn't look wonky. Right, because it's but a I balance think, thing, right? It's all, it's like how it looks visually because the neck will be long if the body's tiny and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then you also got to think if you have a tiny body like that, you're going to get crazy neck dive. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so that would be a thing. But I, I think something like the Rhodes V would probably, uh, all right, probably be good. All right, cool. So once, once you get your third and fourth employee, and you can crank out a guitar, I just don't want to wait four months for a guitar. So, so yeah. we'll, we'll, as you get more and more successful, I'll keep bugging you, and maybe you'll, maybe you'll, we'll, uh, we'll get a guitar made for me. That would be, that would yeah. be awesome. <laughs> Would love to, love to. And then last question here. I always make fun of drummers on this show because I think drummers are often the worst. Um, but when, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to death metal, the drummer, I mean, the drummer, you rely on the drummer for so much in terms of the dynamics of the song and blast beats and just being able to groove and all of that. Um, why, how did you get lucky with having a good drummer that you can get along with who isn't a, just a total um, dick? Yeah, uh, I really did luck out with Charlie. He's a he's a sweetheart. I always call him my baby boy. Uh, <laughs> he he pestered me actually. There was there was about a, a year where inoculation had kind of like fluttered down to just me. Uh, so and I was about to call it quits because I was like I'm tired of dealing with this stuff. And then Charlie was hounding me about it. And then eventually I was like, all right, all right. Uh, and, Ever since then, he's been he's been wonderful. I'm, I couldn't say a bad thing about him. That's which is fortunate. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's dealt with some drummers. If you if you find that drummer who's both awesome and you love, then you never let him go because it's it's hard to replace. You know. Oh yeah, he'll. If there's ever something that he like really wants, I'm like, yep. Even if I don't want it, I'm like, <laughs> you know, what? you take it. It's fine. You, you win this one. <laughs> Got to keep them happy. Uh, right on. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on the show, Anthony. It's been great. And and I'll probably hit you up at some point in the future after shows start again just to check in and see how you're doing. I think it'll be great to talk to you again. Um, for, for, sure. every, for everybody out there, the band is called Inoculation. And it's Xeno Guitars. And I will put links for all of that in the description of the podcast. Please, uh, please continue to support us. I thank you very much for everyone who's listening. Please like and subscribe and rate the program. It helps us out a lot. And uh, once again, thanks to Anthony Allen for being awesome and repping Cleveland and, and supporting, uh, supporting uh, music out there. Sweet. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate talking to you. All right, man. <laughs>